what's going on guys and welcome back to the channel i am your muscle kristen and my host chris is your hustle if you will yeah i'm ready for this one we got a good episode we got our yeah i'm excited our good friend i'll say friend our he's, good friend he's just a friend he's just a, well, he's a we go out to dinner a confidant one. neighbor friend um mr anthony so um in the past we've been talking a little bit about fasting and we've had we did a whole episode on fasting we've done it we broke our fast live on youtube and we're kind of i'm new to it i haven't done any intermittent fasting you've done it i've done intermittent fasting i did it for my goodness a year and a half to two years myself yeah so uh a little bit about our our guest that's joining us today so anthony you're a, a, a new york city guy right like the gabagool yeah exactly yep gabagool uh, <laughs> a, a born and raised uh new yorker yeah, born born in Harlem, raised in the Bronx. Uh, spent some time overseas with the Marine Corps, but most of my life was in the Bronx. And and Anthony's a, a retired New York City firefighter. At what age did you know that you wanted to be a police officer? Uh, immediately, <laughs> immediately knew I didn't. Um, I, I, I would say I went that route early, though. I was in my I was 20 when I started doing it all, and then I got in at, at uh, just before my 21st birthday. Oh, wow, really? So young. 21, and you get like in the pension system. I'm assuming it's probably just like like New Jersey, like get at a young age. Yeah, so that's, I think I was, I went through the police academy at, I think, 21. Uh-huh. Yeah, I turned 21 in November and started in December. So I was 21 when I got in. Um, it's funny, we were talking about, I don't know if you went through this on our last episode, we talked about like psychological counseling and stuff. Did you have to do like a psychological test to get to become a firefighter? Oh, yeah. You do a psychological eval. They ask you like ridiculous questions that just, that, you know, you almost don't know. Yeah. I so said they asked us, I, I think it was like seven or 800 questions, like true, false questions that were so bizarre. Like, um, like if, if you were a bird, do you wish you could fly? And I was like, well, I didn't think about that till right now, but yeah, I think flying would be pretty cool. They do. Do they? Like, well, they do like the honor system one, like if if you had a chance to do something and never get caught type of thing. We got that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> weird. A lot with like money. I'm not even sure if they do that, and that I like, anymore. No, I wouldn't. I'm not sure what the hiring process is anymore, to be honest. But Yeah, they definitely, they asked a lot. And the one they asked me was like, I, like I had never done drugs, smoke, marijuana before becoming a cop because I knew I wanted to be a cop and I was also petrified to do anything. But they would like ask me that. And like, I almost felt like every time I was like, like, have you ever experimented with marijuana? And I'd be like, no. And they would stare at me like, like, don't lie, son. I'm like, I'm really, I'm like, I almost feel like if I just said yes, it would have been more believable. But the fact that I said no, they're probably like, he's yeah. a liar. No, but seriously, he almost broke up with me. The one time we almost broke up in our entire relationship, it was, wasn't like a, a dispute. It was because I was in a photo and there happened to be marijuana there. And he was like, I can't be with somebody that's going to be around marijuana. And, and I like just became a cop at the time too. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. I mean, I get it, Chris. I get it. I think of her when I think of marijuana. So that's like Snoop, Snoop Dogg, then Kristen. So I, I get why you yes. get mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what year then did you, do you remember what year it was when you became a fire? I got on the New York City Fire Department on September 24th, 1996. Day after my daughter's birthday. She was not born in 96. No, no, no. She was not born in 96. <laughs> Man, 96. I was in like middle school. I don't want to date you. Yeah, I get but... it. I'm, I don't know what I'm, I'm old. old. I get <laughs> it. I'm old. I get the jokes all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Poor Anthony gets these jokes all the time when he hangs out with us, and that's quite often. So then a million dollar question everybody probably asked, who are you working, I guess, for uh, for 9-11? Were you working I that was. day? Yes, I was. I Actually, I was not actively on duty. I got off the night before, and they recalled everyone in that morning. Uh, we got an early jump on it, though. We went down there early, uh, just after the second tower was hit is when we head down. So yeah, that's yeah, that's a common question. So what time do you get off work then that that morning or that? Uh, uh, I got off work at 11 p.m. the night before. Normal routine. I was home. Woke up. Okay. Went to the gym. Oh, so then you're so you really so you got at least got like a night yeah, sleep then. Yeah, yeah. That. Because what the towers were like? What like eight or nine in the morning yeah, or something? Yeah, eight fifty six, I believe, and then uh, about a half hour later, the second tower was hit, uh, the South Tower. And then what do you do? Work. Like pretty much around the clock you just work all day and then end up working that night too i work down there uh we, we we staged everything uh we we worked through the night eventually we ended up sleeping in stuyvesant high school uh for about two hours just to reset and then came back outside that that was like literally the perimeter of where the damage was it was still stable enough to be in the building and then they brought us uh back out to work in the morning, which the next day is my birthday, September 12th. I uh, completely forgot it was my birthday until about a week passed. It was just crazy, crazy time. Definitely a crazy time. Uh, nothing like it since for me ever, emotionally or. Oh yeah, I can imagine. That's gotta be like the uh, like top of your career. You know, not top, I don't think that's the right word, but like the no, most. No, I get you. I know exactly what you're saying. You yeah. know, insane thing to happen during your career. There's nothing that's going to really top it. So, I mean, that has to be the day that, you know, it's like, you know, all leading up to that point. I think most departments measure it against that day. You're only five years into your career at that point, right? You started 96 and this is 2001. Yeah, correct. So yeah. Well, yeah, I was still a young, still a young, yeah, young man still. So yeah, that was I'm definitely uh, something. I mean, no one was prepared for it. So I mean, I'm I'm no different than anyone else. Not even our department was truly prepared for something that big. And know? it's crazy when you're like new into being a first responder too. Is I think you're always in the beginning, like wait for something exciting. Like you like go to work, like even as a cop too or firefighter, I'm just like paramedics. I'm sure it's always like in the beginning, like you get like boring times. You're like man, I wish something like exciting happened. And then something exciting happens, yeah. and you're like, shit. This, oh my God, is not, go this is not what I meant. Yeah, but yeah, and, and it's it's it, you know you're eager as a cop, as a as a as a fireman, as a marine, you're eager for something to to break off, but you don't realize it usually comes at at someone else's cost. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, and then after we as you get older, it. correct, right? Yeah, I mean you you want you want the big burning building, but then it displaces people or people get trapped in there and killed. I mean, it, yeah, you just got to watch what you wish for. It'll come in time. If you work in New York or, you know, where you worked in Jersey, um, it'll come in time. So yeah, you got to learn to be patient and not want it. Yeah. So we, uh, we both live in the tri-state area and then we both end up moving to Myrtle beach and happen to live, um, same development. Yeah. So we live, we live, uh, in the same development and, uh, that's how we, we met Anthony cause he went to the same CrossFit gym as me. And Kristen. Yeah. And then uh, one day, I don't even know if we were moved in at the time. We I, were. We were moved in because we were walking Josh. Everybody knows oh, our dog, right. Josh. And Anthony has a pit bull named Gunny. Amazing dog. What What does he weigh? 80, 90 pounds? He's a big one. He's about 90 pounds, yeah. Yeah, he's a big dog. And it was, it was dark out. And I remember us walking and we were like opposite side of the street or something. And Anthony's yelling at us. He's got like a black hoodie on. His hoodie's over his head. Yeah. <laughs> He's got this dog I've never seen before who's 
looks really scary in the dark. I thought we were about to get human trafficked. It was, <laughs> it was nighttime. He put a hood on. Um, he had a, a very menacing voice, a sound to him when he came up to us. He, no pants on. It was the deepest I've ever heard his voice. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I, uh, I, I know you guys. And I was like, oh my God, take her. She's smaller. <laughs> I just pushed her onto the ground and ran. <laughs> But, uh, no, he's like, I, I know you guys. And we were like, mm, from where? Because I can't even see your face. And he's like, you know, the CrossFit gym. And we we're like, okay, we have to figure out who goes to the gym at the same time as us. Yeah. But we're not 100% sure who he is. As soon as we walked into the gym, like, the next day, he introduced himself. And we're like, oh, I feel so much safer now. Yeah, he's like, I have a bowl of candy like, upstairs. If you guys want to come, do you guys like Snickers? And uh... He actually does have a Snickers bowl upstairs. And... I don't like Snickers, but I still go upstairs. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but the reason that we brought you on, obviously, to talk about fasting. So, when we met, you weren't fasting at the time. That was, like, right at the, like, the beginning of you starting intermittent fasting, right? Like, that was two years ago, I'm guessing, at this point, I think. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I started Memorial Day weekend of 2021. Okay, so, with, with the fasting, as a lot of people do like different hours and stuff. So like, now how long did you, like when you first started, what was your fast time? I did the recommended 16 uh, for two days and then immediately went to 18. Did you have any issues? Like was, like, was it hard to start off and just start doing the 16 hours? No, it really wasn't for me. Uh, I think the hardest adjustment for me was taking the uh, half and half out of my coffee because I didn't use sugar anyway. So, uh, and that took about a day to realize it tastes the same. It's just not as, you know, creamy as it was with the half and half, but it tastes the same to me. Uh, that was the hardest part for me. I can't say everyone would be that way, but I didn't have any issues doing it. Uh, yeah, it just became the way it was after about a month. It, it's, I mean, I still do it, but I don't feel like I'm actually doing anything. It's just a routine. So, um, um, so even on the short ones, like the 16 hours, you're just drinking water. Are you adding anything at all during the 16 hours? Like, do you add anything like black coffee, just water? No, no, correct. Now it's, now it's 18 to 20 every day. This is what I do. Usually 18, 19, 20 hours is, is my average all the time. And it, again, same thing, black coffee, water. I'm not adding any electrolytes because when I, my window to eat does open up. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I put in enough that it's okay. Like, it's not like what you guys recently just did with a longer fast, 48, 72-hour fast. I, I, my body uh, doesn't go through that. It's it's kind of conditioned like a machine to work this way now. Uh, if I extended it any longer, I'm sure I'd have to do electrolytes and salt pills or whatever, you know, it is to keep it going. But not, not at this short time. So now, like, you have, say, five hours to eat every day. Um, but those five hours... Are you eating like strictly clean? Are you just letting the wheels fall off? Is it like, are you monitoring during those five hours? Like, I mean, are you, you putting down some calories in those five hours? To be honest, when I'm alone and my wife's at work, uh, I tend to eat more reasonable portion controlled, a little cleaner. But when we go out to dinner and you guys can attest to that, <laughs> I really do not care. I will order two entrees. A bunch of apples. I don't care. I figure I'm going to the gym in the morning. I'm going to burn it. And and it, it's sustainable. I mean, I'm no scientist or, you know, but it's everything has been sustained. I'm not struggling to maintain a certain weight or certain physique. I don't think I'm at a huge calorie deficit. Uh, I'm probably 
25 to 2800 calories a day. I'm guessing that's a complete guess. I don't monitor it really like that. I'm not that strict about it, but I figure it's working for me. Uh, it's got a lot of health benefits that have helped my particular uh, health problems. And so, I mean, I found something that works and I just stick to it. So I, I can attest to what Anthony was saying about eating. So we got to eat with Anthony regularly. And we were literally just talking to somebody about Anthony the other day. I, I don't remember who we were talking to, but we were talking about your appetite. And when we go out to eat, Anthony will order like four appetizers and then look at us and be like, do you guys want appetizers too? Seriously? And I was like, I thought you were ordering appetizers for the entire table. And then he'll order like for him and his wife, he'll order three entrees and they'll each have their entree. And then like he'll split another entree with her or like he'll want a second. I'm not kidding that like not an appetite. People used to joke around that I ate a lot, but then I met Anthony. I was like, this is a whole nother level. Like when we go out to eat with Anthony, we eat good. Like everybody eats. Yeah. Um, so let's backtrack a little bit. What got you into fasting? Like what had pushed you to go into fasting? Was there like a, something that made yeah, you want to? Um, well, I mean, you two can attest to it. Uh, when you guys met me, um, I had retired, I don't know, maybe within three months of meeting you. Uh, I, I retired early. I did 24 years. The goal was 30. I retired early due to a couple of 9-11 cancers. Uh, that I went through. Um, I went through thyroid cancer, which in 2017, which uh, that rattled my whole body. Hormone regulation, there's so much a thyroid does on, on a man. And it's such a rare cancer for a man to have. It's usually a woman's type of cancer. Um, then three years later, 2020, uh, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So my body was just completely out of whack. Uh, on top of that depression, severe depression, um, knowing that I wasn't going to go back to work. Uh, I got up to about three pounds shy of being 270. I was actually 267 on uh, the day before I started fasting. So um, that that was pretty much it. I knew I needed something. I had spoken with you guys a little bit. And uh, I remember talking about possibly doing testosterone uh, replacement therapy because obviously I was, uh, you know, testicle was taken due to the cancer. So I thought, yeah, maybe I'm a good candidate for that. If, if not me, who? Um, speaking to the doctors and then speaking to my uh, endocrinologist uh, and everything, they, they didn't advise it. Um, they wanted me to pull away from going that route because uh, the testosterone is actually a cancer accelerant. So if anything is dormant in your body or just sitting, you know, waiting, it, it, it wouldn't be a wise decision to me. So uh, I spoke about fasting to another doctor and then a mutual doctor that we all know uh, from Alpha Male Clinic. Um, and and once that ball started rolling, I thought, well, what can I have to lose here? And that was my whole start of it was I know I needed to drop weight. I read about the, uh, the positive side effects besides just weight loss. And I said, well, you know, this is something I got to at least try. It, it's not asking me to do anything other than Basically, for me, is skip any kind of breakfast and, and cut a little bit of, uh, you know, sugars or carbs out of the early part of my day. So I, I started there. And uh, between that and the workouts, which were painful for me, I had no endurance at all. I mean, I was really in, in not in a good shape at all. But um, that was the reason I started. I know that was the base of your question. So, yeah, that was that's why I started. So back in was it 2017 was the first one? Correct. So like say 2015, 2016, what, what's your like body composition? Cause you're like six, two, right? 
Uh, yeah, I'm six one. Um, I I spent most of my time around uh, hovering between two thirty and two forty, and I was actually taking really good care of myself. But what I didn't know is that that I had that thyroid cancer for a long time, and it was killing my metabolism. It was killing everything. I would do great. Um, great workouts. I would eat very clean and still gain weight. And I didn't know at the time, but it was my thyroid. I was thinking, oh, I'm getting older. This is a little too hard to keep this weight off, but it wasn't. It was the thyroid was not allowing me to metabolize and process and, 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 and drop the weight. So, um, yeah, cause I think that's, a, that's the big one with weight gain is the, is the thyroid yeah. is, you know, most people, when they start to see either like weight loss or weight gain, like that they can't really control typically like a thyroid issue. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's what got me going. And and again, for about five to six years before the actual diagnosis, my body was changing a lot. Prior to that, I was pretty slim. I was in the Marine Corps, uh, you know, a couple tours in Iraq. And I mean, I was in pretty tip top shape, you know, all things considered. But when, when that came along, I guess it just slowly did, uh, made my body, you know, deteriorate a bit. Yeah, and and you're a football player too. I know you played. Uh, I've seen the rings that are that are ginormous that, that you have at your house there from uh, some victories and stuff. But uh, um, the, the Marine Corps. Did you do that before becoming a firefighter? No, I actually took a two year leave of absence in '99 uh, uh, to join the Marine Corps. Oh wow! Uh, I had to give them two. Yeah, I had to give them two active years. Uh, they were really in need back then. Uh, there was no war going on at the time, you know, uh, so I thought this would be a great time to join. I always wanted to do it. I have family that was all military. I always wanted to do it. So I joined, came back to work uh, in May of 20 of 2001. And then 9-11 wow. happened. Wow. And then my whole Marine Corps career took off after that. Yeah, that's, I feel like that's like a, an episode in itself. I mean, I have so much respect for people in the military. I was never in the military. I went. I went from I went high school, college, and then uh, got hired and did the police stuff like part time in college, and then got a full time job right after. But I, I never had really like family in the military. The military wasn't like something that was ever like discussed in my childhood. It was not something that I really even knew anything about. And I know a lot of kids that like if they have families or dads in the military, whatever branch it is, they seem to know a lot about it. But when I even when I was in the police academy, I didn't know anything about any type of branches of military. I didn't know what branch was what. Um, so I feel like as I get older, I try to like learn more about it now. And, you know, it's one of those things that I was, when I was a cop, I was like, I kind of wish I did do something in the military beforehand. But again, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, uh, so before, before your diagnosis, you're sitting around like the two twenty two thirty mark, um, uh, you end up retiring, leaving, you go through all of your medical stuff. And when I meet you, you're at around two seventy, right. And then you start your intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Um, right. what do you sit at? right now two years into this i love um, this i hover between 205 and 210. uh i was down to actually like 196 197. it's a little small for you I, yeah i just wanted to get a little bit bigger uh just took him maybe an extra meal in that window i mean nothing crazy not a big meal i uh, just just threw a little more food in there and actually when you first start doing it it's it's hard to get all those calories in in that window. Uh, I know Kristen did this early on. I had a really hard time. Yeah, sometimes you're not even hungry and you got to force yourself to eat because you know the window's closing soon and you know that's it for another 18 hours or so. 
And I've talked to people that um, like one of the things that we bring up during your fast is because obviously you're, you're trying to go 16 hours. You're trying not to break your fast with anything. And we always talked about like uh, brushing your teeth. Like a lot of people, they, they only have water and they're in the middle of their fast, but then they brush their teeth using like Colgate or like a regular toothpaste. Then they, people like the, the hardcore fasters will say you're breaking your fast because there's sugar in toothpaste to give it the flavor and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts on that? I know it's absolute. It's the absolute truth. Once once you introduce any sweetener into your your gum line, I mean, I think about when you take a nitroglycerin pill, it goes straight to your bloodline, right? Under your tongue, goes straight into your bloodstream, so your organs stop processing. So the whole, uh, you know, you, you you become insulin resistant, and that's why you gain weight. And the purpose of fasting is to allow that pancreas and the insulin, all your surrounding organs, to get a rest period. I mean, that's just not how man was meant to eat. You hunted, you gathered, you ate, you feasted, then you basically fasted until it was time to do it all over again. So the uh, the insulin hypersensitivity is what you want to get to. And it comes very quickly. It's not like ketosis where you have to wait a few days for yourself to be in ketosis, but um, that's what you want ideally. So once you introduce that toothpaste, like you were saying, to your to your gum line, to your mouth, you're going to secrete insulin. And the bad part about that is when you secrete the insulin, it's going to go into your gut and it's going to look for what it's supposed to break down. You won't have anything. So it's going to start calling for stuff. And that's when you get hunger. Right. So it, it's, it's not a good thing. I do the, you know, squish peroxide in my mouth, gargle with that. And before I spit it out, I wet the toothbrush, put it in a baking soda and I brush with a mouthful of peroxide and baking soda. I drink black coffee. So it's a, it's a good thing. Teeth are still pretty white. Uh, I think it's, it balances it out, but uh, I, I'm a firm believer that break, brushing your teeth, yeah, absolutely, it does break your fast. That's exactly what we did during the 72 hours. I put baking soda and peroxide in the bathroom, and we brushed our teeth with that. And actually, our 48 hours, we were laughing because we didn't have anything and weren't thinking, so we just literally didn't brush our teeth for <laughs> the two days we said it when we broke our fast live. She's like, we did longer fast, we'll get baking soda. Yeah. <laughs> And the last thing I wanted to do was go into like a food store to go get baking yeah. soda peroxide when you haven't had food or anything in 48 hours. So we made sure we got that for the second fast. Um, I'm like, Slay, he's going to brush teeth and slap in his hand. Don't you dare put that in your mouth. The baking soda peroxide, I mean, it's <laughs> weird the first time you do it and kind of like, it's not the best flavor, but you do get used to it pretty quickly. And it, it's, I, I, I think it's not the end of the world, but. At least did, you have clean teeth at that yeah, point. Yeah, we did the same thing. I would just like wet the toothbrush, use baking soda. I'd start brushing that around. And then I'd take a little peroxide and kind of like use that as like mouthwash at the end. And um, yeah, it's, it's a little weird the first time you do it, but, but you get used to it. Now, when you started your fasting, did you do the uh, 24 hours, right? On Mondays? Did you do those like 24 yeah, hours? Yeah, I still do. I, I do a, I do a, I do a 24 hour one once a week. Uh, I, I move the days around. I feel like it's better to shock the body and not just give it that same routine. Uh, Kristen, I know, you know, you can relate as far as working out. Sometimes you need to shock the body. You can't just do the same workout every day. Uh, and, uh, I'm going to incorporate those 48 hour ones twice a year. Uh, I, I love food, so it's hard to stay away, but 48 hours is a, is a doable and it's very, very good for you. I mean, there's so much benefit to once you hit that, even that 20 hour mark, as far as, uh, growth hormone being released and, and, and your body slowly, depending on your blood type, slipping into autography where you start regenerating and repairing cells and ex excreting the bad cells, which is another benefit for someone like me who has cancer cells in their body. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. I, I find that uh, my moods um, are 
usually really good in comparison to how it was. I mean, I'm flawed, so I got you know a lot on my mind, but it, it absolutely made things uh, better and clearer and, and, and a little light at the end of the tunnel for me mentally and, and physically. Visceral fat has definitely gone down dramatically, which allows your organs to work to a much higher potential. I mean, sleep, everything changes once your body starts flowing the way it was meant to flow. Um, it, it's just a good thing. I, I really, I'm really glad I found it. I'm really glad I stuck to it. Now, do you still get, um, I'm guessing you still have to go back to like your doctors and stuff. Do you get like scans? Is it like the PET scans and stuff? Is that what they check? Like the baseline for cancer? Yeah, correct. Stuff? You get either PET scans. PET scans are usually w w when they're looking for cancers or looking for other cancers. You, or you get the CT scans with contrast. And that's how they locate, you know, and then, and then your blood work, obviously you'll have, uh, you know, elevated levels of certain type of cells. And that's how they know that uh, white blood cells are running down to chase down those cancers and fight them off. Has things changed since you started fasting and have been going back to the doctors? Yeah, honestly, uh, well, every year I do my physicals there. I go up in March and um, they say, whatever you're doing, stick to it because your blood work looks amazing. Like I have some... Uh, collective problems from the combinations of the two cancers, which are super rare to have those two cancers. So I have problems with uh, lesions on my bones that are spreading. I have so that that problem is 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 still happening, and some nodules in my lungs that they think is either from the World Trade Center or from Iraq uh, that I don't think fasting can do anything for, but. As far as the actual cancers and any other things going on and, and the capacity at which my organs are working at, they said, whatever you're doing, stick to it. Because the the change, and this is quoting the doctors, it's a phenomenal change inside of an 18-month period. Um, so, I mean, I've kept it going with that in my mind. Like, every time I think, why do I do this? That's why. Oh, oh, yeah. No, 100 percent. But the, the, so just to talk on it briefly. So those lesions are affecting your bone and your bone density. But with fasting, I actually have the energy to work out. And, I, and, and, and you guys know my body composure from the past. I've actually put on muscle in my late 40s, I've put on a, a significant amount of muscle, actually. And for that muscle to support your skeletal system. So while I'm losing some density, my muscles also supporting it and helping it. I'm not relying so much on just my skeleton to do things. I have some some support and that that does go a long way. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this is the best thing I can be doing for myself. Yeah. When you get to be this age, like when you're around your 40s too, built putting muscle on is the it's a difficult thing versus when you're oh, yeah. in your 20s. Oh, yeah. So to still be able to do that, I mean, it, it, I think it just shows like the benefits. And it took me a while to kind of get into the fasting. And, and I have never done the intermittent fasting. I've just done these longer fasts. Um, which is, I honestly, I think it's harder it, for me. It was easy to do 16 hours was fine. I had sweet spot at 18, 18. I felt, I felt better. Like you said, the clarity, the energy, I felt like when I hit the 18 hours, I was there. Like that felt good for me. And then Chris just goes right into 48 hour fast, like a lunatic. Yeah. It's impressive. It wasn't, it wasn't easy, but it also wasn't the hardest thing in the world to do. I mean, Mentally, it's it's tough. Like for me, like you said, with the coffee, like coffee with cream and sugar is like 
I, I feel like I drink it around the clock, but so that that's a hard one to like wake up and and I just because I was like I don't really like black coffee, so I was like but I'd rather did. just not have coffee. I'd rather just go right to water and just skip it and go about my day. But um, what's the longest fast you've done? Uh, the longest fast I've done personally was about thirty eight hours. Um, I hit a dry spot around there. I started getting really bad headache. Uh, and once I get my, I suffer from bad migraines. So once that starts getting triggered, I, I, I got to do whatever it takes to get out of it. Um, again, though, it was probably from more of an inexperienced point of view, uh, not knowing how to supplement certain things in my body. You know, there's, uh, there's tons of energy stored in, in, in all of us, but if you can't uh, learn how to tap into it properly without breaking your fast, you're just hurting yourself. So, and again, that's a case by case, person by person. Some people can go a long time without it. Me, I'm just not conditioned for it just yet. Um, it's just the way it is. But 30, 30, yeah, 38 hours was my top one. You guys crushed me. It was a struggle. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, <laughs> once, once we get past that, like that 48 hour, I mean, I think that the, 36 to 48 hours, the hardest part. The first 24 was manageable. See, and I think the opposite for me, that first 24, because my stomach was still saying like, hey, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, feed me. Once we hit, we woke up the next morning, that 36 hours hit, I was hungry, went to the gym. And once I went to the gym, I was pretty okay for the rest of the day. Like we, Chris came downstairs during that 48 hour window and I was, I emptied out the entire pantry clean the shelving, like reorganize everything, put it back. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm fine. I'm in a good pantry. Fasting. <laughs> There's no way I could be near. I didn't even like be down on the first floor of the house. I was like upstairs with Kylie. I'd be like, let's play video games. We'd play video games as much as possible, just so I would get my mind off of it. We'd be like in her room playing video games. I wouldn't be near food. I told her like, no snacking when I'm in the room. You know, I was like, yeah. There was a lot of order. Like she's like, can I, can I have mac and cheese? And I was like, you can make it yourself. I cannot be making mac and cheese right now. I'm so hungry. But uh, I was okay to make her yeah, food. Exactly. But you know, you you did good though, Chris, because you kind of went into it blind. Sometimes when you know what's coming and you know when you hit that 21 hours, you really start getting hungry. If you know your body, but you were you were blind. You just did it. Never experienced it before. So I mean, that's kind of a good thing. Like I've never done the 16 hours. But yeah. I mean, I'm I don't still. Think you've done 16 minutes. <laughs> I'm still sober too. Yeah. We, um, I said I wasn't gonna like drink alcohol. I wasn't gonna eat junk food. Like I was gonna go right back into my normal routine, dieting, eating clean, and everything. And I've done just that, and it's been oh since our fast. since our fast, it's been a week. And you know, there's been alcohol. There's been times that I could have gone off the handle. I I've not. I promised myself that I would stay in line, and I've done that. So. One thing I did want to touch on, Anthony, you mentioned visceral fat, and I don't know if everybody listening knows exactly what that is, and that's one of the things I monitor constantly with my clients that have the ability to go and get a body scan. Like, you use the in-body scan, I know, over at Alpha Male. I have one at my house as well, and visceral fat is that fat that surrounds your organs. That's that dangerous fat that when people have a very high level of visceral fat, typically somebody that's overweight, but even sometimes people are leaner and you wouldn't think that they have a lot of visceral fat. They have it. And that's kind of like your, your, your cancer forming agent there. Um, that's your, your dangerous level of fat. That's not just the fat that you see on the outside. That's the stuff that's inside. So it's kind of nice that you brought that up, that that had gone down significantly. Do you remember what your numbers were from when you started 
back when you were 270 yeah, to I now? Want, yeah, I want to say my visceral fat was uh, up above 9%, which is alarming, uh, if you know anything about that. Now, uh, I, I'm probably sitting at somewhere between 3 and 4% on the visceral fat. I mean, it, it literally is just useless weight smothering your organs and not allowing them to function. Uh, they take up uh, nutrients that your, the rest of your body could be getting, get stuck, rested in there, that you don't get to process things properly. Yeah, it, it's a big deal. That's probably, like you said, that that's amazing that you monitor that for your clients because that's the one thing that when you get that right, the other stuff will fall into place. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Not, not that it's funny, but it's like job security. When I break down to my clients what that actually is, and you had said too, with the fasting and stuff, as you progress, you've got a lot more energy. Think about like, for those of you listening, fat around like your your liver, you know, your pancreas, and like all these different organs in your body, and they're not functioning optimally. So you're not processing things that are coming through your body optimally. You're going to feel sluggish and exhausted and, you know, you're not you're not utilizing the nutrients that your body's taking in anymore well. Now that you reduce your visceral fat, everything starts to feel better. Your sleep is better, and that's huge. So your recovery is better. Hence, Anthony now being able to put on all this muscle, when you recover properly, you're able to recover and build, and you have a good base now to build on. And a lot of people, too, it's like they do – they think about like the fasting or if we do fasting or people do intermittent fasting, but they're just doing it just simply for the weight loss. And it's really like most of the people that are doing it, even the long-term fasting is they're doing it for the health benefits. Mm -hmm. And then the weight loss that comes along with it is like the added bonus. So like for us, when we did the 72 hour fast, I didn't do it just to lose weight and I lost some weight, but it was like just temporary weight loss. What you do after that is what's important, but you know, you're doing it for the, you know, the, the, the longevity of your, of your life um, to, fix your organs to just get healthier, possibly kill off cancerous cells. Um, so that's why we do the fasting. And then if you do the long-term fasting, it's again, it's you're doing it for the health reasons. And then if you lose weight along the way, that's just a nice thing, you know, on top of it. But you read a lot of people are, at least I did in my um, DMs on Instagram, people were like, oh, well, you know, there's, that's not really beneficial. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I like, I, I don't have a lot of weight to lose. So I'm not doing it for the weight loss. I'm doing it because of the autotrophy that your body goes into and, you know, all those health benefits that um, we did an episode just recently about my dad, which, you know, Anthony, my dad has cancer. And the reason Chris had gotten into the fasting was because how could he tell, you know, my dad that, you know, you should be fasting and there's all these benefits to it if we're not willing to do it ourselves. So that's what pushed us to go that far. And those are the benefits that personally we're looking for versus just the weight loss goal because some people have even said to you like oh you're already thin you don't need to fast like you don't need to lose any more weight and that's what we try to tell people we're like we're not doing it for weight loss we're killing like, those cells yeah. those, those junk cells we all have them with age like we we get older and you know cells they're retired they're ready to go and we're just dissolving them with a fast and moving on so everybody can benefit you can always get a little bit healthier yeah yeah, I think people think that it's more of a trendy thing to do, you know, kind of like the South Beach diet and everything. There's, but they're just not diving in deep enough to understand like what 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 the benefits are. Like even honestly, I told you there were other side effects, like the mental health aspect of it for me. You know, I, I, I'm you know you know I speak openly with you guys often, but you know I do therapy once a week. It's been almost five years now. Uh, 
it's it's changed the game for me as far as the uh, the mental health. I'm so much more even keeled. Again, you guys know me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm flawed as, as as anyone is, but it's it's put me in a way better position to deal with life's up and downs uh, as as opposed to prior. I mean. I was in a bad place when I moved here. I thought moving here would be the ultimate thing for me. You know, this was our goal to get down here. And I got here and I fell into the biggest funk there ever was. I was not happy relocating. I, I, I got to the point where I, I had everything set, the house built, family moved in. And I thought about taking myself completely out of this equation and just having leaving everything to, to, to my wife, Sandy, and, and everybody can be happy. And I just won't right exist anymore it, it was really dark and that is true and it, it, it's and, and i kind of went through like similar stuff obviously we're both different but similar stuff but the same thing you can move and you're like oh i'm in a new spot and that turns out you just have you and your depression in a new spot just a more tropical environment and and people that don't ever suffer from it don't understand what depression truly is and you know a lot of people all the time for me it's like have you ever tried to explain it to the wrong person they're like well you should just be happy it's like well yeah i wish i thought of that like okay <laughs> you so, you exactly know, so you just right. said that. So, okay, I'll be happy now. Like, so, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why didn't I think of that? You know, but I agree. Like when, and when I have like my ups and downs, like the downs, I always realize like when I sit back and look at it later, is like, they're usually when I'm more off, off, like when I, the wheels fall off and like either I'm drinking more, I'm eating like crap, I'm putting weight on. It's like, you can almost watch like the levels go with diet. And then same thing when I'm like, cutting weight when I'm lighter and I feel good, I'm eating clean, I'm thinking more clearly, like all around, like you're just in a better mood. So I, I do see the difference in, in that. And also with, you know, like mental, mental clarity too. But yeah, it's a, that's a, that is a crazy thing to deal with. And I don't, I don't wish that on anybody, but, uh, no, especially not our friends. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a, a crazy thing to deal with. I mean, you could definitely tell, like, from when we met you to now, even in like the over the last you know year or so, your mood is definitely more positive than it was back when you were two seventy. Oh yeah, well yeah, without a doubt. It it, it like I said. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm married. I've been with my wife for you know sixteen years, so that part doesn't like I'm not out there on the market running around trying to date or anything like that. But you you do start to walk with a little different confidence when you see that the, the change is obtainable. You know, it's not something that's far fetched like, you know, you see a, a show on TV where someone transforms themselves. Anyone can really do it as long as you can buckle down and and and, and lay that path and make sure you put one foot in front of the other, you'll get to the destination. So that, that confidence comes. And then with that confidence, you feel like I want to be around people, you know, I want to be around people. And then your mood changes because you're socializing. Like you guys were probably one of the first sets of friends that we had down here, which is another reason. I mean, I moved down here depressed thinking it get fixed, but I removed myself from every friend and every family member that I lived near. And I realize I'm here by myself and yeah. I'm depressed alone now. And then you meet me. <laughs> yeah. Then there's the bearded guy. Right. I mean, but look, I mean, you guys did the same thing. Yeah, right? You moved down here kind of on a whim and look at that net network you, you've built for yourselves down here. I mean, we have a lot of mutual friends and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a good circle of people. And, and, and that that's another part of that mental health, surrounding yourself with good people, like-minded people who, you know, who want, who want things and, and, and out of their life. They want happiness. 
you know, there's always that one friend you have that everything's negative and you gotta, you gotta stay away from that. Yeah. And we do that. And, and we as try and stay cliche away as it sounds like kind of what you're saying is like, you have to love yourself before you love others. Like once you're happy with yourself and you put yourself in a better mood, it makes your relationships with other people that much better too. Like with your spouse, you know, whatever it is, like your friends, your neighbors, your kids, when you feel good about yourself, you start standing taller, you walk more proud. And then it creates all those other relationships with other people and you're more excited to see people and you, you know, your presence is takes well, over a room. Yeah, exactly. Your presence takes over the room. You appear to be more attractive to engage with than somebody that's in more of a funk. Yeah. So. Cause once that like depression hits, you feel like crap. You feel like you look like crap. Um, then you start to walk with the shoulders down, head down. You don't even want to go places and it just starts to feed on everybody else and people can feed off that energy and it's kind of like a downward spiral. But yeah, once you, start to feel good about yourself and you know, you love yourself more, you put yourself ahead of other people. Yeah. I think it changes a lot of things in life. Yeah. yeah. No, you, you know, if the, if I have the time, I try to love myself at least once a day. So that's just how I roll. Chris. You know that. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I appreciate you like uh, taking a little bit of time out of your day today and kind of talking about this. Cause like I said, the more we do these videos about fasting and stuff, the more questions we get. So I definitely think it's, and again, I know you said it's not a fad, but I definitely think it's something that people are starting to get interested in and more people are doing it and spreading like the word about it. The science. I think it's the science behind yeah. it, which is what's my, that's how my brain works. Like when I found out my dad had cancer, I went over and I was like, it's sad of course. And I was emotional and I went over and I sat down, cut the tears and I was like, okay, give me the, give me the, the science behind it, what's going on, exactly what's going on, where are the numbers, what do we need to see, and things like that. Like, that's how my brain works. So to see how things work with fasting makes makes me excited. It gets me excited about doing it and seeing the results and, you know, having fun and continuing to become more healthy. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on, taking time out of your day. And uh, for sure, if we get more questions and stuff, we'll run it by you. If anybody has a question for Anthony, you can always come through us and we can get the answer for you and, and let you guys know. But uh and uh, thank you for your service to this country. Yes, and thank to, you for your uh, service. And to the state and city of, uh, of New York. And, uh, and for your friendship. Yeah, and for <laughs> Thanks for your service for that friendship. I'll see you guys for dinner. Yeah. See you for dinner. <laughs> I cannot wait for our next dinner. Yeah, we already have it on the books. So uh, Some bacon. Yeah, so again, guys, thank you guys. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, we appreciate that and all the love and support. And we will catch you guys next time. Peace out, everybody. Bye.